0: Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities.
1: We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal. Create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together.
0: What makes a 21st century organization? What do people see, taste? What do they feel? What do they hear? What do they do? How do they do it? These are questions that have been on my mind for at least the last 10 years of my life. And more than a decade ago, I was asked to build a culture of innovation at a hundred year old management consulting firm. The question was as relevant then as it is now. And I also think it's more pressing now more than ever before. So this is an idea that came up in our Empathy and Action Summit that we recently held. And these are ideas that I've been thinking and wanting to discuss with Kevin. And I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you today.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to discuss this and, and sort of a journey where we, we took from what we learned in our first season about the toxic characteristics of, of of supremacy-based culture, which I grew up in India. And it just, we see this across the world and it's not just in white spaces, this idea of how we can answer some of these questions and go towards sort of the vision aspect of it and how we would love to see it, the transformation. I think it's such a great journey. I'm excited to dive in. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to be talking about for this season, right? And going from a place of like, you know, uh, the white supremacy culture, but now we're talking about like, what do we want to create? And I'm really excited to figure out and to have this conversation with you. Cause I've thought about this a lot. So, uh, you know, like where I was more than a decade ago I was in this building a culture of innovation movement. Um, later I ended up, uh, about five years after that, um, I, uh, created a shared language for innovation in the 21st century um, in the federal government. Um, I ended up coding and co-creating innovation.gov and what we called the Better Government Movement. So, you know, about 5,000 people over two years grew. It grew very quickly. And then then I ended up publishing, um, leaving in 2018 and leaving that work and in the federal government. And in 2021, I published my book, Empathy for Change. Um, And I wrote the book at the beginning of the pandemic. And now we're in a place of emerging out of the pandemic much worse than I think when it started. In a lot of ways, we're lonely, we're disconnected. We have a lot of mental health crises happening, growing challenges at our borders the rise of fascism, loss of democracy. <laughs> um, and we can get into a place where the world is a very dark and broken place, right? But at the end of the day, I think there's hope. And I think that's a, underlying all of this stuff is if you think you can change the world and make it better, you have to have hope, right? And Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: Well, it's such a necessary emotion because if you can't think you can change the world and make it better, you're, you, why are you doing this work? Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to have someone, we have to be, we're as someone who believes in sh- we can shape the world. Um, We, you know, we have to have the hope that we can shape it and we have the agency to shape it. So, but what's interesting is that we're firmly into the first quarter of the century And I think it's about time that we define this question for ourselves and make the change happen. So I'm curious, Kevin, now that I'm bringing this to you, you sound you're excited about this. What is coming up for you? What do you think about this question that I posed?
1: Yeah, I think this question is sort of interesting in that it's acknowledging that we are thinking, you know, what is the modern organization look like? What is what can we learn from the past, but change and apply to that serves us that recognizes um, more, uh, more clearly that we have challenges in our systems and our cultures and the way we think and our behaviors around toxicity that we want to unlearn. And I think part of this question is also showing that we are in that journey and we are making progress. And I think that's where I derive hope from. And you mentioned it's like, we can get into this existential threat. And I think about it often is like when I see last week, there was a Nazi rally in US and things like that. And so I think I, I definitely struggle with this. And then, then when I think of this question, I definitely ask myself, what is something that a 21st century organization, what like, what is it even feel like mean? What are the goals, like the high level vision? And I think of it as the vision of, of an organization where people are excited to be themselves, their whole selves. They can be authentic. there's not They're not feeling shame or, or lack of safety. And it's working towards purpose that is helping others rather than the purpose of profit. And these sort of higher macro level visions that we can then distill down to specific characteristics and behaviors that I think could be beneficial for us. Um, I think... Fundamentally, all of this is leaning into empathy. And even if the organizations don't realize it, it's realizing the fact that the, all of this work that we're talking about or the characteristics and new behaviors we want starts from understanding this con- the concept of empathy and applying that into organizational framework. Uh, for example, things like um, building distributed leadership in 21st century organizations. It's one of the things that I would, I'd see happening in new organizations, in the modern world as we move towards empathy, because people realize that not one person can lead and own everything. We want to distribute, empower, give people the information they need. And, and this way it we're moving more uh, faster, but more thoughtfully, efficiently, they have a higher sense of ownership, as well as this leads to more self-management, flat structures, this higher sense of ownership. In the past it was, you work for me, you do the task, you got the money, you go. But now it's more about we are working together towards this mission, towards this goal together. It's helping the community. It's helping um, people be connected or whatever that mission might be. It's bringing those together and understanding that we need flat structures with higher sense of ownership, not just I, you're my employee. Here's a task. Do the task. Go get money and leave. And then the another example sort of comes from my career as well is being that uh, building customer centric perspectives, thinking about, in fact, like one of the top values in most companies that are doing well is this idea of being customer centric, is thinking from the perspective of the customers, understanding where the customers are in the journey and and connecting to them and how we provide value to them. And the goal isn't we are here to make money at all costs. The goal is we're, we're providing value for the customers. And for that service, we get compensated and rewarded for doing that and giving them and improving their lives. It's very people-driven. It's about understanding people, letting them be who they are so that they can be creative. One of the biggest blockers to creativity and innovation is people burdening themselves with anxiety and stress and all these things. And that slows us down. So if we want to move fast, we want to innovate, we want to do those things, people feeling free. I think those are some components of 21st century organizations. Amy, what are some you're thinking of?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting is, I mean, a lot of these things are driven by technology um, and and you mentioned self-management or flat structures, organizations. Um, we're organizing ourselves around technology platforms. You know, artificial intelligence is affecting our work in a bigger way. We also have things like, we're using things like Asana or Monday.com to manage our projects, right? And to, you know, I'm using, even using artificial intelligence to, to write blog posts, right? Not necessarily like going to chat GPT, but like I go to Otter AI and it transcribes my, my voice. Right. And so into words, right. And these are things that are rapidly changing our, our, uh, landscape. So we have to be a little more tech, tech, um, You know tech savvy you know and yeah
1: and and i i mean i've used chat gpt to just learn more and and using technology to improve my life and get information and and be inspired to then write my own content from there so i absolutely Mm -hmm. see that Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah and then also something that we're seeing and i talk about this a lot um in my book i have a whole chapter about power um and also have this this lovely book that was introduced to me a couple years back on new power um, and it essentially is talking about because technology has driven us in this direction. Uh, and globalization is also something too, is that power is is not necessarily top down, right? It's like there's old power, right, which comes from our industrialized past. And but new power is emerging because of technology because of this globalization that's happening. So power is not top down. Power is like a current and allows people to have agency to mold their culture and to mold the experience that they want to create and this is probably the the single most um, big change that's happening in the 21st century is that people are now wanting more agency and power and leadership is having a hard time to to like seed power to people on the on the lower ends of the totem pole because That is what we have been taught, right?
1: Um, Yeah, and I think what what I loved about that is this idea of sharing power, where power was hoarded at the very, very top or at very few people. And we are learning as part of this organization and that's distributed leadership, flat organizations. We see that in cultures, sharing power amongst communities makes it abundant for everyone rather than concentrating one. And then people are feeling anxious and stressed about it
0: hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely happening. Uh, but also, as you can imagine, if we're moving from a place from old power to a new power dynamic, um, which is a book by Henry Timms and uh, I'll have to get that, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but um, like we can put in the show notes of like this book, new power came out quite a bit ago, but it's still relevant today um, is that we're constantly changing. Um, we're constantly changing and bringing this idea of in Buddhist impermanence, um, this idea of Buddha from Buddhism. It's like, everything is changing. Nothing is, sta- is permanent. It's always changing around us. And then the idea of no self and anatta, which is like we as humans are always changing internally. We're every day we're a new person and we're growing and changing. So like trying to embrace that, that piece of ourselves is like, What is, what is emerging instead of like laying out a full plan and sticking to that plan, try to have built in flexibility and adaptability and agility into our work.
1: And absolutely. I think you'll be hear hear the term agile so much in 21st century organizations, as we think through these, it's this idea of that design thinking, iterative building, instead of Mm -hmm. I've got the lot, I've got this goal and we're going to put blinders on and go straight towards that goal. And instead Mm -hmm. of, like you said, what is emerging?
0: Yeah, exactly. Small experiments, scaling this in over increments. And then I think what's important is reframing failure um, and saying that failure is not what that, that really big thing that holds us down. It's actually something that liberates us and it's, it's growth that we have, right. We can learn and grow through failure. Um, then that kind of leads me to this idea of like innovation and creativity is the, if I want to say one word for, for like this century so far, it's probably innovation is the word. And I was like, I hate the word innovation. I talk about it in my book too, but like, it's just like, what are we doing? We're just, the world is changing around us and just being, um, embracing that change. And so uh, associated with innovation is creativity, And then also because of that, like a deep piece of this work and around empathy is having a deep sense of curiosity. And when you're in a place where power is starting to be shared and not hoarded, things are changing around us. um, And the people want to have agency. We wanna add more agency to folks. We have to have curiosity because then we have to be open to other people's experiences, right? We can't just say one experience is better than the other, right? So you can see this is like, there's so much that is is underneath all of this. This is like a moving and very complex world.
1: Yeah, and this idea of fluidity, and you mentioned the complex world. One of the things I think in the 21st century that's important is recognizing that things are constantly changing and I'm noticing that more and more, even in my company. In fact, i talked to my team. and was like, Hey, we've got to become comfortable with constant change. People were like, we were making a lot of changes and people were telling me that, Oh, I'm getting tired of change. And like, why can't we just get in static? And I'm like, well, the customers are changing rapidly. The world is fluid. So we have to, as an organization, stay fluid as well. And this idea of being okay with complexity and not knowing and in in the previous in sort of older traditional models it's more like simplify things that are complex and then trying to put them in binaries or whatever simplification that happens 21st century organizations sort of embrace complexity embrace the unknown and explore it
0: yeah it's yeah it's also like i one thing i was just talking about in a collaboration i was just doing right before this this recording was that i was like we are we are embracing complexity, but we can't predict the future, right? We, and we, and uh, and I think in the in 20th century organizations, and I think human nature is like trying to have predictions and trying to have certainty, but we don't have certainty. Right. And so that future that we're doing is, and we're creating is we don't necessarily have the certainty there. So we're trying to imagine Um, something that doesn't exist yet. And so we have to just be, you know, be agile and, and um, emergent as things uh, um, grow. So as I think about this, uh, as as I think about this in a bigger way, like I was like the, all this work that I've been doing and has led me to this, this two domains that, that is like literally in the name of my book, but I've been doing a lot of more deeper thought into this, like, cause the book was a snapshot in time two years ago for me, two and a half years ago, but now I'm like, okay, it's even getting even more deeper in this is like, there's empathy is one of the domains and then change is another one. So just a recap for folks who are just joining us for this, this episode is like, empathy is this feeling of feeling with somebody instead of for them. So it requires us to have humility, so we're not better than any other person who's out there, and we're also appreciating getting curious about somebody else's dignity, that that person on the other side of the the coin and who are different than us are just as important as the rest of everybody else. And so what's important here is that we're able to see someone else's perspective And we're also staying out of judgment. And to to really get through that is to add this level of curiosity with each other and a curiosity about people, about ourselves in a bigger way. On the other end in this domain is change. So I define change as the act of becoming something or someone new and often we think and we hope that change will lead us to be better than we are today um i mentioned those buddhist beliefs of impermanence no self anatta um and so what is interesting is that like if we start embracing change and saying change is good change is growth change is things where it's like change is isn't, isn't always bad change can be good
1: and and in fact i just Talked about this recently as well. Is change is inevitable? It's happening whether we whether we lean into it or not. And what a saying I uh, I heard from a Chinese philosopher uh, uh, Lao Tzu who said, "If you if you don't end up changing direction, you'll head in the direction you're going." And so <laughs> if if we don't lean into change and sort of give it its own our guidance and direction and, and, and sort of support it we might end up changing in something unintentionally that we don't even realize it
0: yeah something that makes me think about that is like we're white knuckling life right like we're just pushing through it instead of seeing what emerges and um what's interesting is like and, th- and this this i thought is actually translating into when we talk about customer customer centric work when we talk about Um, employee engagement, right? Often 21st century organizations focus so much on the customer, but they're not focused on the employee. Right. And so, and, and these things are changing all the time. And so one thing that, that I have identified and, and, you know, many people have identified it's just not me, is this idea of like, we have to center the world that we're creating and this design, right? So, Design is like a fancy way of saying, like we're creating new worlds, right? And then we have to center this work on people with living experience or lived experience. And so that's designing with each other and rather than for them. So earlier I said, empathy is feeling with somebody rather than for them. We have to apply that to the way we design, right? And we create this new world. So there's a lot of things that are happening. Like what if we relied on, our relationships rather than transactional working relationships, right? Like relationship is, is, is over transactions. What if we had empathy and created generative ethical mindset, as opposed to kind of, you know, um, a scarcity mindset. So what I've also found is that these domains of empathy and change are misunderstood. And because we don't really understand it, we are fearing it, and if you remember from our last last uh, podcast, if you look at those characteristics of white supremacy culture, fear is the number one characteristic that this our culture has in us. So we have fear of the unknown, we have fear of empathy and caring for each other. So that's just some really interesting like mm, goodness right there.
1: It is. And I think that this idea, as we look for the 21st century, it's not being afraid of fear and the unknown is, I think, a fundamental part. Just if you look at the as the opposite, fear is used to control. Fear is used to maintain supremacy and power. How do we spread that power? Well, we have to lean into these fears and the unknown and these anxieties that we have about power hoarding and all and distribution and thinking, if I distribute my power, I'm going to have less. In fact, what we've seen now in 21st century is when we distribute power we end up more abundant mm-hmm. and 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 this idea of change and this idea of sort of empathy coming together as this almost like a symbiotic relationship that you talk about is is so interesting in in this uh conversation and how this at the fundamental as we look at it if we combine these two that's what's driving this conversation even, the, what what we want in a culture, what we want in a system, and, and, and what a 21st century organization looks like. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And when I think about, I was talking about these two separate domains, but then when you have, think of them as two circles, and then now we're coming to an, a Venn diagram. And there are some interesting things at the intersection of those two domains. Like research that we're, we're finding out about neuroscience, you know, about what's happening in culture, et cetera, about empathy is showing that, you know, empathy and change involves greater awareness. It's a choice we make. It's a mindset. It's a practice. And all of these things is something that we can learn to embrace over time. So there's learning associated with it. Um, It takes constant, like, um, like awareness and we have to keep choosing it, right? And then the last one is like appreciating. We appreciate empathy. We appreciate change when we've gone through hardships or challenges. So we appreciate when somebody has empathy for us because we're going through something, right? And then you also appreciate change because this too shall pass happens, right? Right. So I'm feeling this feeling of, oh, yeah, I am I have a challenge right now, but pretty soon this will not be my scenario, my life anymore. And so you appreciate the empathy that you have for both of those things. And so what's interesting is that there's this interplay of like leaning as we lean into the change, we require more empathy that builds resilience to overcome the challenges we have there. And you're right in saying, Kevin, it's a symbiotic relationship and we can't afford to just do one or the other. We have to do both of these things.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important is part of empathy is when we understand others' perspective. How are we sort of changing our perspective in, to sort of incorporate that or to reflect how to how to behave in this relationship If of as we change, like you said, as we change, we need empathy for ourselves, for others, because then we might end up changing that causes harm rather than changing intentionally in a, in a direction that we want to do it together that helps everyone sort of grow and almost like this regenerative experience where it's change and empathy comes together. And I think that is um, mm. that is so important. And, and, and when we end up resisting either one or both, then we have unintended, unintended consequences that are probably harmful and negative as well.
0: Yeah. And that, that brings in that, that element of like the designing of the worlds that we're in is that, you know, we, most of the time things are designed for us, right. And the world has been designed for us. So we can step in and, 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 and change the world around us for, for better. And so, so when, when I was mentioning about empathy before, um, you know there's 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 three different kinds of empathy you kind of touched we touched upon them briefly but i use actually three different like symbols to describe them to help us like talk about how we're doing and i think this is really important for when we build 21st century organizations so the first symbol is cognitive empathy taking somebody's perspective staying out of judgment um, we choose to do this, right? We choose to have empathy for people that we value. So if we can start being in a place where we start valuing and having dignity and empathy for people, we're going to focus on that. That's really our head. And we're in our head most of the time. And then the second symbol I use is the heart, which are our emotional thing, um, uh, emotional feelings. So feeling ourselves and feeling knowing what we're feeling, but also understanding other people's emotions. And it's that self-awareness and feeling other people. And the third one is the hand. And that is actually called compassionate empathy, um, or simply just compassion. Um, but you have the sense it's, it's a deeper level of understanding. It's sensing what, not only what people feel, what they need from you. And then it's like, okay, I'm here to help give you what you need. Right. And what's, what's interesting when it comes to compassionate empathy, something that that um, is in a, a situation that's really simple here is being like when I talk to some of my friends and they just are come telling me a complaint that they're having, um, I ask them, um, I ask them like, do you want me to just listen, right and to listen and hear you, or do you want me to help you come to solutions and to solve this this as a problem? And that piece there, it was giving them agency and power to start saying, no, I want you to give me advice or I want you to give me some thoughts or maybe I just want to hear and and talk with you. So these three three different symbols, the head, the heart and the hand can be applied um, to how we approach organizational design. So how do we appeal to these three things and how do we take action?
1: Yeah, and I think it's such a... Simple framework, but it, it talks about this idea of like we can cognitive empathy. We can think about the business empathy of the business that financially and the, objectively the the business is healthy and is is sustainable and it's driving and our organization is healthy. And then there's this hand aspect that can relate to so many different things like interdependence that we all are interdependent on each other in a company or an organization and we need each other to be successful. And it's not just a one person thing. And, and it then and the heart comes in around the cultural aspect, the mission, the purpose, how are we helping people? And we can design um, the factor on the companies as is like being that self-reflection is like, okay what is, how cognitively we need to understand we need to work logically, but we need to also look at the interdependence aspect, the cultural aspect, the aspects that sort of bring all of those things together to deliver to whatever mission they're working on, whatever customers that they're serving, while maintaining healthy and sustainable practices,
0: mm-hmm. And Kevin, that is actually something that go you can go read more about in my book. I actually took that those three symbols and apply it in what I call the empathy and action framework, and and it's very it's you know taking those three symbols is very logical as we get to that right and as we think go deeper into that work, and so. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that you can read about more. And I think we'll probably go more into that as we, as the, the, the season continues of like, what is the framework? How do we go into it? But I think what's interesting thing, thing here is like, we have these three symbols, right? The head, the heart, the hand, but I think what's really important here, which I don't necessarily have a symbol for it is a, it's a common theme that I found, um, we can't really have a one-size-fits-all approach. And what we have to do is to lean into equity. And that's like a big buzzword that people are saying. So I wanted to break that down a little bit here. Um, So a lot of people say equity on one side, but there's also equality on the other side. So a lot of people just say, well, let's just give everybody the same thing, which is you know, everybody has the same access. Everybody has the same thing, um, no matter what. And there's this really lovely, um, image that I have, and I've used and many other people use, uh, from the Robert Wood Johnson foundation. We can send a link in the show notes, um, that says on the top, it talks about, um, there's, there's a multiple people who want to ride a bike and, um, inequality, inequality, you, everybody gets the same bike, no matter what. And there's like an, a really tall guy. There's a little kid. There's somebody in a wheelchair. And there's just like, you know, a woman who's just like it was perfectly designed for. So everybody gets the same thing. But when they get on the bike, they're uncomfortable. And the person in the wheelchair can't get in the in the bike because they can't use use their legs, right? And so it's ill fitting for many people. And then on the place where we talk about equity um equity um the des- the def- definition is for equity is equal outcomes so if you were designing for equal outcomes um or for people you would not design the same thing people would not get the same amount of the could not get the same um bikes um so you have to design in different ways so one example is that when you're w- with somebody who might be in a wheelchair and they can use their hands. Maybe they ride a bike using their hands. Um, and then then like for the child who's in this picture, that person gets a child with different kind of um, a child bike, right? And so everybody gets what they need. And so these are things that I'm, I, like I said, I'm not the first person to come up with this. This is things that I've learned from the Creative Reaction Lab at St. Louis. And it's they have this thing called Equity-Centered Community Design and Tanya Anasasi um, from Liberatory Design. These are people who are like I'm learning and studying about. Um, and I think that, and, and also one thing I signed up for the past year is becoming a founding member of the Institute for Equity Design and Justice. So we're still figuring this stuff out, right? And so what what we're finding is that many people think that there's a problem and a silver bullet solution to our problems. But what we're finding is that there's many the, the here's the complexity again Kevin like there's like there's many problems that contribute to the big problems that we're experiencing and there's also kind of a many approaches to solving those problems. And so um I think one thing that we can um kind of focus on for this this podcast is to think and is to to focus on like this idea of equity how can we design a world that's more equitable yeah and i think yeah so what, what do you have to say kevin yeah
1: and and, and this idea of using that as our founding <clears throat> sort of our base principle of equity in is such a is part of this journey as we explore the 21st century organizations keeping in mind that of the goal is these characteristics is with the vision of building equity across the board for 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 our all the people involved in the organization ideally for the system ideally globally
0: mm-hmm. and and Kevin like that I think a way for us to add to end this podcast for today is to um is to have to leave with a quote that um I I got from um uh, a couple of years ago, when I was publishing my book, I was at the, co- I was one of the organizers of the Code for America summit. Um, and I had a clubhouse conversation. If you all remember clubhouse, um, we, we brought it, we were talking about how you to build a more equitable government. And what well, we talked, I talked to Stephen Chang and he's at the national equity project. And he said this This quote, which it's a bit long, but I think it's really important in here, is and it brings together what we're talking about last episode to where we are today. And it goes like this We have a history of discrimination within our country, which has been institutionalized into our systems. We know this because we wrote it down. Almost all of our policies, significant institutions, and structures within our society explicitly names discrimination. That goes all the way to our constitution where slaves were valued at three-fifths of a human being for the census. How is it that we justify the one group or several groups within society that have much greater power, privilege, resources, and opportunities than other groups? This is at the roots of our society. It shows up in the products we build, the culture we create, the world that has been created for us. We must recognize just how deeply ingrained and structured that is in our society and how it's held in place. And this is the thing we need to interrupt. And the way we can overcome that kind of cruelty is empathy. When we see our humanity in somebody else, it's very hard for us not to care for that. We often assume that people recognize that, but we need to be explicit that discrimination is a false narrative to reinforce it. It's about shifting power.
1: Yeah. It's about shifting power. I, I, I love it. Thank you for sharing that Amy. Cool. And, and we're going, we're going to be in for a journey this season. We're going to explore um, characteristics of the culture we want to create. What does that look like? What are those behaviors we want to in- incorporate? So, becoming aware of the toxic behaviors, but then incorporating the ones that are gen- regenerative, that are helping us build a co- organization where power is shifting, it's shared, and, and we are living in abundance because we are coming together to do that and how we will thrive together. I think with that, we're going to leave you for today's thought and questions are to start to think about what characteristics you would want in a culture if you were building it. What would they be? And what would they be? Uh, would they be same or different from what ex- existed before? And how would we go about putting those out in the world? Dream big with this one. We'll see you on the next one.
0: Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at Real Amy j Wilson and Kevin at Shah kevin.